I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're focused on this morning. We begin a brand new series today called Gray Matters. How do we walk wise in times of great confusion? I came across recently an article by Jim Daly. Jim Daly is the president and CEO of a ministry called Focus on the Family. I don't know if you're familiar with that ministry. They're featured on the radio uh, throughout the week. They provide a lot of great content, Christian-based content, that is helpful for equipping not only parents, but even children, but really, to be honest, every generation in being able to um, take the, the, the principles of the Bible and apply them to our daily lives. And so um, I, I came across an article that Jim Daly wrote in, that was titled Freedom in Christ. This was the name of the article. And in this article, he is describing a confusion that he observes is sweeping across our country and is significantly picking up steam in an age of political correctness. And he describes the United States as, quote-unquote, the land of the free. This is a reference that is used often, we use as citizens to reference uh, the privilege that we have of living in a free nation where we can worship freely, where we can, we can express our opinions and, our, and, and take our stand, uh, whatever our convictions may be, freely. And he describes us as ours is a land that is filled currently with significant confusion regarding the true meaning of freedom. And this is what he writes, and I want you to hear his quote. He writes that people often confuse the true nature of freedom so that it becomes synonymous with personal independence. That is, the ability to make our own decisions, to choose our own path in life, and do whatever we want, whenever we want it, and however we want it. Our culture tends to see that phrase or the, the phrase the land of the free or the term freedom to suggest that it means that we are free to do whatever we want. We are free to live however we please. We are free to make decisions as it fits our own preferences or choices. The reality is, is this, whether it's the decade-long fight for freedom, uh, freedom of access to uh, certain health benefits such as abortions or the transgender movement that increasingly screams to be legitimized in our culture, or even the insistence by some political leaders who argue that the solution to addressing illicit drug problems is to make more drugs available to people. What we discover is we live in a culture in a time where it is important that as believers we understand that when the world abuses the term freedom or they mis misuse the, the term freedom by way of how they apply to their lives that we the church not not pastors not missionaries not we the church are in the front lines of demonstrating what true freedom looks like because again when you look in the scriptures freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want that's not freedom freedom I believe is the ability to do what we are supposed to do, what we are created to do, what God intended for us to do. I think about, you know, you know, all of the everyday inventions that we get to use. So take, for example, a bike. You buy a bike. You want to use it to, to exercise. You want to use it to get in shape or whatever your preference is. Maybe you want to use it to get from point A to point B. A bicycle has a spe specific purpose, right? It would not make sense for us to buy a bicycle and then hang it in our, in our living room, like it's, a, like it's a picture. It would make, because that's not what it was built for, yes? 
And, and sometimes we look, at, we look at certain things and we, we think, well, I can choose to use it the way I think it should be used and fail to realize that, that we must consider what it was created for, the purpose for which it was provided so that we can properly apply it in our lives. In the same way, freedom, God's definition of freedom, again, is not the right to do whatever we want, however we want it, whenever we want it, Freedom is truly getting to live the purpose for which God created us. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, For I know the plans I have for you. And he's speaking to every single one of us. And these plans that God has for us aren't plans that he came up with after you and I came into this world. Even before we were born, God knew these plans that he has for us. And, 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 and those plans, they, they illustrate the purpose that God has for our lives. So if you and I are not living out the purpose that God gave us, created us for, it doesn't matter how we choose to live our lives. If we're not living the way the Creator created us to live, then friends, we are abusing the freedom He's given us. And we live in a day and time where there are many who are abusing that freedom. And it's not just in the world, friends, it is even in the church. Where we think that sometimes, sometimes we embrace this mentality that, 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 that because we are in Christ, it means that we can live however we please. I remember several years ago, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine, and he was lamenting um, his experience growing up in, in the church that he attended up in the north. And he was talking about how you know, he, he could never reconcile in his mind uh, the sense in, in people claiming in one sense to be followers of Christ. But yet, when they were not in Christian circles or in the church facility that, or in other words, when they were living out in the world, they were living a lifestyle that was, very, that was no different from those who were not, uh, not associated with Jesus. And he said to himself, I could not understand how it would make sense that a believer would be comfortable living a lifestyle that Christ died to set us free from. But, but part of the struggle he had was that many were claiming that because we are in Christ, we are free to do those things. Why? Because our sins have already been forgiven. Yes, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins, both past, present, and future. But in no way did Christ give his life for us so that we can continue in the things that he died to set us free from. Freedom is discovering the purpose that God has for us and living out that purpose. It is not what the world says freedom is. It is not what we think freedom is. It is what God says freedom is. And if we're not living according to the freedom that God has established, friends, we are not free. We can use all of the words we want. We can use all of the lingo we want. But if we're not living out the purpose that God created us for, we are not living free. And God is in the business of bringing people, bringing freedom to people's lives. God is in the business of helping you and I to discover what he created us for and to find joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in doing what he created us for. But we have an enemy who is warring against the purpose of God for our lives and wants to convince us that we can live outside of God's will and still yet attain to the purpose that God has for our lives. When you look in the scripture we're about to read this morning, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul is dealing with the very same thing amongst the, the believers in Corinth. Many of these people, before they came to Christ, were very involved, very embedded in the Corinthian lifestyle. And I don't have a lot of time this morning to, to go into all of the details about what, kind of, what life was like in Corinth back in those days. And I want to encourage you to do your research. Go online, read up on, on, on resources out there. Find out what it was like to live in Corinth in in Paul's time, and one of the things you discover is that it was a very morally loose, very morally decadent environment. 
And so many of these believers were brought out of this culture when they came to faith in Christ. And Paul, and Paul discovered, you know, while, he was, while he was away on a missionary journey, that many of these believers were trying to almost, almost as if, you know, I follow Christ, but I think I can, I, I, I can still hold on to some of the things that, that, that I used to do in the world. And Paul discovered what was going on and Paul had to address it because it was important to Paul to, to challenge the misunderstanding of what true freedom in Christ means and to help turn the focus of these believers back on what it truly means to be delivered from sin's power so that you and I can live for Christ. So let's turn our Bibles once again to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 23 to verse 33. Paul begins by by basically throwing back in the believer's laps a phrase that was pretty common. Thank you so much, Jordan. That was pretty common in that time where people would say, I have a right to do anything. I have a right to live however I want. I have a right to make my own decisions, make my own choices, go in my own direction. Whatever, whatever I want, I'm going to do. So Paul addresses that issue. He begins by saying, I have the right to do anything you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. For the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So, verse 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Everybody say all. Paul says whatever we do, it doesn't matter what it is, Whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. The reason we do it for the glory of God, Paul, Paul, Paul is pointing out here, is because we are not our own. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, to the, if, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yes? The old has passed away, all things become new. Paul would also go back to refer, I believe it's in Romans, where he says, I am not my own, I am bought with a price. Right? And he's, he's acknowledging that when I gave my heart to Christ, I, I, I turned over ownership of my life to him. I turned over the, 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 the right to make decisions and to the, 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 the responsibility of providing direction for my life to him. So that I no longer live for myself. And then he says in verse 32, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So in those 10 verses that we just read, Paul, 11 verses, Paul Paul makes a case for why freedom from the Christian's perspective is very different from freedom from the world's perspective. Again, when the world looks at freedom, the world sees freedom as meaning you have a right to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, irregardless of the consequence. But true freedom, the freedom that Christ died to make available to you and I, is a freedom that I believe, friends, is defined by the priority you and I place on glorifying God with the way that we live. 
Now, sometimes we have this sense, when I say we, I'm just making a general statement about just Christians in general. We have this idea that, 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 that somehow being a Christian is about what we can't do, where we can't go, how we can't live. We, 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 we look at it from a, a half glass um, glass, half, uh, glass half empty perspective. It's about what we, what, 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 what God is keeping us from, or what God will not allow us to indulge in. And what we fail to realize is this: the things that God is saying, that, that that God says no to in our lives, are things that are never meant to be a part of our lives to begin with. And like a good father, or a good mother who sees that their young, their child, or or a young person that they care about is is in a, moving in a direction that will hurt them, or or even worse, destroy them will speak up and say no. And if possible, stand in their way to prevent them from going in the direction that will ultimately destroy their lives. God's desire is that you and I understand that when we come into faith in Christ, that there is a freedom that we find to not only, not, not, not a freedom not only from the power of sin or the control of sin, but a freedom to live the way God created us to live because it is God who knows the things that give fulfillment, the things that give us joy, the things that give us satisfaction. So when we learn to prioritize freedom as, God, I want to glorify you with my life today. And I want to live my life today, no matter whether I'm at, I'm at the office or I'm at home or I'm in the store or I'm at school. But that God, everywhere I go today, I want my life to glorify you. And that we discover that in that, friends, is where the fulfillment comes. There's three things I want to quickly share with you about, about what freedom in Christ means. And I think, I, I believe that today's message is foundational for what we're going to talk about over the rest of the series because for us to know how to engage the world and how to walk wisely in the world, we have to have a right foundation of, of what Christ has called us to in, in, in this, this experience called freedom. And so the first thing I want to share with you this morning about freedom in Christ is this, is that freedom in Christ is not the right to do what we please, but rather it is the ability to bring God pleasure. Before you and I came to faith in Christ, we did not know how to please God. In fact, everything we did was for the opposite effect. I mean, our, our flesh is inclined to do what displeases God. Our flesh is inclined to, to, to chase after appetites and desires that are sinful, that are selfish, that are self-centered. But a, a life that is immersed in relationship with Christ is no longer focused on simply just doing what pleases my flesh. Now you're focused on what can I do to please God? The one who gave everything for me, the one who gave his son for me, the one who gave his life for me, who has redeemed me by his blood and has given me a hope in the future. What can I do to please him? And it's not a legalistic approach. It's not saying, well, God, I mean, I did all this and this and this, so hopefully you're happy. No, but that we are living our lives every day with this sense of, I just want to please my father because it is the least I can do. It is the least I can do to show how grateful I am for what he has done in my life and for what he is becoming, making of my life. Freedom is not the right to do what we please. And I think we need to, when, when, it comes to, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, we need to, we need to, we need to readjust how we use that word right. Because, because many times that word right is almost used to almost disarm people from providing accountability in your life. You feel like you have the right to do something, so you feel like nobody can tell you what you should or should not do. And that's the wrong approach. God wants us to look at freedom as not about our rights, but it's about Him empowering you and I, giving us the opportunity to do something that we could never do before. Enter into a relationship that we could never experience before because, because sin clouded us. It blocked our, our view of God. The Bible says that those who are free in Christ, 
develop an ability to do what pleases God. That's why Paul was saying that everything that is, you, yeah, you can claim that, that you have a right to do something, but not everything that you have a right to is beneficial. Not everything that you have a right to is constructive. Those two words are important because when you look in the Greek, the word beneficial is in reference to that which brings you and I to a desired end. That's, the word, that's what the word benefit means. That it brings you to a predetermined desired end. And for us, as far as God is concerned, his desired end for us is that we would live out his purpose and plan. That we would, we would discover his will for our lives and we would, we would realize that every single day. So, so in essence, the Bible is saying that, yeah, we may feel we have a right to certain things. But God is saying, does that thing that you think you have a right to, does it contribute to your ability to discover my will and to walk in my purpose? That's the question we must ask ourselves. Not do I have a right to do whatever I want, but is it bringing me in line with the purpose of God for my life? If we are to truly say we want to live for God, then friends, God's purpose and plan must be our priority. We don't just simply live for God for an experience such as this. We live for God so that he changes every aspect of our lives. That word constructive is also important because that word constructive in the Greek describes that which, we, that which builds or strengthens. So again, we can say we have a right to something or we have a right to indulge in something. But the question is, is it something that will build you, will strengthen you in the, in the sense that it helps you to attain to the spiritual maturity that Christ wants to produce in all of us? Do you, do you see the difference in, in, in mindsets, friends? The, when, when we learn to stop looking at our rights and we begin to look at what freedom in Christ brings to us when we, when, when we apply that freedom in the right way. It is about the ability to do what brings God pleasure. I want, you, I want you to hear what Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to verse 8 says. That those who live according to the flesh, this is what Paul says, have their minds set on what the flesh wants. Those who live according to the flesh, that is, we are, we are living for our, to, to satisfy our desires, our, our appetites. That's all we're going to be focused on. We will never be focused on anything but those but then he says, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Why? Because the mind that is governed by the flesh is death, but the mind that is governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And the mind governed by the flesh is hostile. Did you hear that? The mind that is governed by the, by the, by the flesh is hostile to God. So when we choose to live according to the flesh, we are setting ourselves up for a hostile relationship with the Father. And that is not what Jesus died for. He died to bring us into union with the Father, not to create hostility between us and the Father. In fact, his death deals with the issue of hostility between us and God. Goes on to say, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. For those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Hold on to that phrase. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So again, when we want to focus on rights, the right to do whatever we want? No, that's not what true freedom in Christ is. Freedom in Christ is about living a life that is pleasing to God. Living a life that, is, that, that brings God pleasure. In your words, in your actions, in your attitude. Again, it doesn't matter where you are or who you're with. Are you bringing God pleasure by the things you're saying, by the things you're doing? I'm not, I'm not suggesting this morning that I'm perfect or that I don't, I don't have you know, areas of shortcoming in that area. All of us are growing in this area. But, but, but it is important that we become aware of the importance of, of, of being so conscious of the one who has given, him, given everything for us and invites us into his relationship with him, that we are committed to living our lives to please him in every way we can. 
And again, it's not about a checklist and saying, God, I did this, this, and this. Well, hopefully that you're okay with this. No. But it's about just letting it become a, a, an organic part of who you are, a lifestyle. Every choice, every decision is always lived in the, from, from the standpoint of, can I, am I, will this please God? Here's the second, the second thing we need to learn about freedom in Christ. It's that freedom in Christ is about accepting our responsibility of putting others' interests above our own. Paul said in verse 24 that nobody should seek their own good but the good of others. Now, of course, he's not suggesting here, Paul, that you and I should basically abandon our responsibilities, abandon the things that we are obligated to or that we have um, charge over. What he is saying is that we should not become so inward focused that we, 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 are, we are, as far as others are concerned, we are of no benefit to them. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's a principle that applies not only individually, but also can apply corporately as a church, where you can have a church that we become so focused about what happens amongst us that we forget about the ones that we are called to reach. I tell you this, a, a church that is not reaching the lost is a church that's not going to last because we're not fulfilling the mission that Christ called us to. So, so the idea is that when we, when we talk about being free in Christ, we're accepting this responsibility that Christ has given us to put the interests of others above our own. In Romans 15, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good. And this, is, this, is, this, this next phrase is important, to build them up. Because sometimes we ask ourselves, why, 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 am I ask, why, why is God asking me to sacrifice for somebody else's for somebody else's benefit paul says we give we, we please our neighbors for their good to build them up and again it's not not it's not a it's not a um a simplistic um effort of building a person it's it's in a spiritual sense that we are what we are doing is by our by our our willingness to engage others and to and to and to serve others and to be there for others that god uses that as a catalyst for helping people to come to know who he is. Again, I look at my own life and I, can, I thank God for the many, many people that God used who were willing to sacrifice, who were willing to look beyond their own interest, to look at mine and to, and to, and to see it as an opportunity for God to use their, their sacrifice on my behalf as a catalyst for God to help me to come to know Him. Freedom in Christ is about accepting our responsibility to put others' interests above our own. And here's the third point. Freedom in Christ is about taking chances to be a blessing rather than a barrier to others coming to Jesus. In verse 31 and verse 32, notice, I mean, verse 32, verse 33, excuse me, notice what Paul says. He says, do not cause anyone to stumble. And he provides the parameters of who this anyone refers to. He says whether they're Jews, whether they're Greeks, or whether they're the church of God. Essentially saying, anybody you come across, do not be the reason why they are not able to come to Christ. How many times Jesus, during his earthly ministry, would, would, would reiterate that over and over. In fact, remember that story of the encounter when, the, when all the children came around Jesus and the disciples were like... What are you doing here? Maybe in their minds they're thinking, Jesus deals with the adults. I mean, you guys are kids. Go somewhere else. And Jesus rebuked them because he wanted them to understand, no, you do not keep anyone from coming to me. So in, this, in, in, in the same spirit, the Bible is saying to you and I that it is our responsibility to, to it, it, is our, it, not respond, it is our calling to be a blessing rather than a barrier. Because what was happening in the church of Corinth was because they were so focused on self, my rights, my rights, my rights. What was happening was they were excluding others. 
They, 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 cliques were forming within the body. Divisions was rampant within the body. So that many were neglected. Why? Because they did not fit a particular category or fit a particular culture. And when Paul heard this, Paul was upset. And Paul said, nobody should be excluded. Nobody should be deprived of a relationship with Christ. So we must ask ourselves the question, are there things that I'm saying? Are there things that I'm doing? Is there an attitude I'm, 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 I'm displaying that can be a stumbling block to somebody coming to Christ? Because friends, if that's the case, then we are abusing the freedom that we found in Christ. The Bible says we must not be a stumbling block to anyone. Paul said, I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many that they may be saved. Salvation matters to God, and it should matter to us. Why else would Jesus say in Matthew 5, verse 14 to verse 16, and he's talking to, he wasn't just talking to his followers, then he's talking to us, you, me. He's saying you are the light of the world. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, what did they do? They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Paul, the Bible says, Jesus is saying that you and I are the light of the world. Not that we're the ones that save, but that the light of Christ in us. The transmission you and I have experienced because we know Jesus. It is meant to be on display. It's not meant to be kept secret. It's not meant to be kept hidden. We're not meant to be covert Christians where we are kind of, kind of keeping, our, keeping to ourselves and we only associate with ourselves. No, we are called to reach a world that is lost, a world that is dealing with a lot of hopelessness, a lot of despair. They don't know where to turn to. People are turning to drugs. They're turning to alcohol. They're turning to, to, to immoral lifestyle because they're hoping that it will give them something that they're looking for and they're finding that even in those things that they're not fulfilled. And they don't know where else to turn to. And every day we're hearing people are, are, are ending their lives. Why? Because they are so hopeless. They don't know where to turn to. And yet we know where they can turn to. Why? Because this gospel that we know can change their lives has changed ours. You and I are light. You and I are salt. We are meant to be a blessing, a channel through which somebody can come to faith in Christ. Now, does it mean that every single day, every single moment we encounter somebody, that it means that they're going to make a decision in that moment? No, but, but we have opportunity to plant seed. We have opportunity to, to make an impression on them about wh what a, a follower of Christ is like. Again, not that we are perfect, but that when they see our lives, when they engage us, that they see, they, they, they see the grace of God, not only in our lives, but, but, but exhibited through our lives. They see the mercy of God, not only in our lives, but they see it exhibited through our lives. We are called to be blessings rather than barriers to people coming to Christ. And again, if we are doing anything or saying anything or living in such a way as to create a, a stumbling block for somebody, I pray that the Holy Spirit, as He is, I believe it's not an issue of if He's bringing to our attention. I believe He is, he is calling to our attention. The question is, are we listening? I pray that we would listen and that we would, we, 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 we would repent and that we will say, God, forgive me for being a stumbling block. I want to be a blessing, not a barrier. Because, because somebody was a blessing in enabling me to come to you. And so I, I must be the same for somebody else. And so we resolve in our hearts that we will be that which others have been for us. Be the light of, of the world that Christ has called you to be. He has put you on a hill to light, to illuminate the glory of God to those around you. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to mute it. Don't try to suppress it because you're afraid of what culture is going to say 
or how people are going to respond. No, you are meant to, to shine. You're meant to glow. And it's not your glory that's glowing. It is the glory of God in you that is meant to glow. So that people are drawn to, not you, but they're drawn to the one who is shining in you. God's desire is that you and I take the freedom that he has given us because we know Christ and to apply that freedom in a way that is constructive, in a way that is beneficial to those around us. Because that is how we build the kingdom. I close with this thought. True freedom, as I've said to you earlier, is the ability to do what pleases God. True freedom is the ability to obey God. It is the ability to prioritize His will above ours. Let that be the commitment of our hearts and our lives every single day. That God, I want to obey you. I want to live to please you. I want to, I want to set your will above mine, no matter how hard it is. Even when I find myself faced with a decision or a choice where the easy way out would be to do what I want to do. Because, because doing what you want me to do is difficult. It's going to cost me much. God, give me the, give me, help me to recognize that, 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 that what, what I give up to follow you is nothing compared to what I gain from obeying you. And that, God, your grace be sufficient for me. Your wisdom will be enough for me to do what I need to do. And that, God, you will see me through. Friends, every time we obey God, does not always mean that it always, it's always going to end positive. Can I say that this morning? But it doesn't make the sacrifice less worth it. When God calls us to obey... We must obey and trust that God will back his word up in our lives. So as, I, as we close, I leave you with this thought. God's will is that we use the freedom he's given us to do what brings him pleasure, to serve the interests of others and to be a blessing through whom others can know Christ. Are you committed to being that today? Are you committed to being that every day? I'm grateful that we don't, we don't have to do this on our own. The Holy Spirit is that constant companion, that guide, that instructor, that teacher. He stands by us and he supports us in this venture. But it is important that we demonstrate to a watching world what true freedom looks like. And to let the world know that when we, when, we, when we exercise freedom the way God wants us to exercise freedom, then we truly are free. Anything else is just a cheap counterfeit. And it will not bring lasting freedom. Amen? I want you to buy us with me this morning as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. God, this new series that we've begun, God, I'm, I'm, I'm eager, Father, for what you are you're going to show us over these next several weeks. Thank you, Father, for reminding us, Lord, that, that true freedom only comes through knowing Jesus first, but also applying that freedom in light in light of in light of the purpose and the plan that you have for our lives god i ask you to forgive us for the times where we have used our freedom in christ as an excuse for doing things we should not have done saying things we should not have said acting in ways we should not have acted yes it, it may, we may have felt like it was our right to do those things but at the end of the day we look at its benefit we look at whether it was constructive and, and if we're honest, Lord, the answer is no. We did what we wanted because that was what we wanted. But we never considered what you wanted for us. And so, God, I ask you that you would have mercy on us, Lord. But more importantly, God, give us the grace, Lord, to, to recognize that when we, when we live your way, God, when we live your way, there's a joy and there's a fulfillment that we will gain that we would never gain otherwise. And that God would... Immerse ourselves totally, Father, in, in seeking to walk in your will, to fulfill your purpose and plan for our lives. So that, God, as we are 
living for you, God, and as we are living before a watching world, that they see Jesus in us and that they are drawn to Jesus because of what they've seen him do in our own lives. God, I pray that your grace will be sufficient for us every single day. God, we will never walk in our own wisdom or power or might, but that God would walk in the power that you give us, Lord. Again, God, I thank you this morning. And Lord, if there's anyone that is here that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God, I truly believe that, that Lord, for them today, God, your message is simple, that you love them, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them because sin and slaves, sin destroys, sin devastates, and that is not what you want for us. And that when Jesus died on the cross, he died to break the power of sin over our lives, to break that false perception of freedom that we thought we had because we could live however we pleased. And it opened our eyes to discover that we were truly slaves, that God were living, in reality living in bondage, and that through knowing Christ, we can be set free from the power of sin so that we can live the purpose you have for us. God, whoever that may be here today, God, I pray that, God, you would meet them in their place and point of need, that, Lord, even as they cry out to you in faith and say, God, have mercy on me. I don't want to live my life the way I've been living to this point. I want, I want to be different. I want to live for you. I want to discover the freedom that only you can make, make, make possible. That God, on the heels of that prayer today, God, that you will meet them in their place of point of need, that you will save, and that God, you will set free through the power that is in the blood of your son, Jesus. And that God, you will give them a new, uh, a new, a new sense of purpose and calling. Father, uh, a hope that, that is built on the foundation of, of the knowledge that, that when, we, when, we, when we walk with Jesus, we, we are truly able to live out your purpose for our lives. With every head bowed and every eyes, because I just want to ask very quickly this morning, if you would say, Pastor John, please pray with me today that I would accept Christ as my Savior and Lord. Listen to me this morning. Everything that I've said to you this morning about walking in freedom cannot be realized unless you make that first important decision of surrendering your heart and life to Him. I made that decision April 12, 1994. I grew up in church. I grew up going to church. I thought I was going to heaven as far as I was concerned, but I was not living for him. Christ was far from my heart. He was far from consideration in my life. But I realized that being a Christian is not about being religious. It's not about what I claim, but it's about whether or not I'm willing to allow God to change my life, to transform my life, to help me become who he wants me to be. And I made that decision, and my life has not been the same, and it is the greatest decision I've ever made. No other decision I've ever made compares to that decision because that decision changed everything for me. And that can be your testimony today. That because you embrace Christ today, you accept Him as your Savior and Lord, that He can change the trajectory, the, the trajectory of your life. And it begins with you acknowledging your need for Him this morning. And so as I'm looking around the room, I just want to quickly ask, if you say, Pastor John, please pray with me this morning. Just raise your hand, just by a show of hands. Thank you. I see that hand over there. Thank you. I see that other hand. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you just say, Pastor John, pray with me this morning. I want to walk in relationship with Christ. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. And I want to invite especially those who raised their hands to join me in praying this prayer. And, and I want you to understand this morning that, that in praying this prayer, is not, you're not just repeating words. I am, I am, I am helping. I'm, 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 I'm giving you words to help that, that, you, that I invite you to take ownership of. Make them yours. Cry out to him in faith today, believing that because you are calling on his name to forgive and to save you, that he will do so. That what Christ did on the cross, he did for you. He did so that you can know God and have a relationship with him.
So it's not just repeating words. Mean it in your heart and believe that God will meet you in a place of point of need. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want us to pray this prayer. And I want everyone to pray this prayer to encourage us who are praying to accept Christ today. Dear Jesus, thank you this morning for the opportunity to make things right with you. I come to you today and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that my sin separates me from you. And because of my sin, I am condemned. But I'm grateful to today, God, that you love me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place. And that by his sacrifice, my sins have been paid for. And that I'm no longer, I'm no longer, I'm no longer a debtor because Christ satisfied your requirement. I ask you today to come into my life, be my Savior, be my Lord. Live in me through your Holy Spirit. Live through me, Father, and help me to live for you. Help me to bring glory to your name. Help others to see Christ in me and help me to know you better and better each day. I pray that you would change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to walk in your power today. And God, I'm thankful that from this day forward, my life will not be the same. For I am today a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.